Welcome to episode number 185 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrews, Brad Allen. We run down all of the games in the National Football League. Fellas, coming off of a good week this past week, we're going to try to keep it going. Hopefully, we win some money. Hopefully, we win the listeners some money, some viewers. If you're watching this on YouTube, some money. We do appreciate you guys uh, subscribing to the channel. Up over 10,000 subscribers now, so really do appreciate that over on the YouTube side of things as well. If you want to follow Brad on the Twitter, at Brad Allen NFL. You want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one I am at Matt Brown M2. And let's waste no time here, fellas, and get things going. Of course, if you guys are watching, if you're catching this early and you want to check out what we think about Thursday Night Football, you can just head over to the YouTube channel. There is a completely uh, standalone video for Thursday Night Football. But let's start with the London game in Brad's backyard. He's walking down the street to this game. He is going to moonwalk to this game. He doesn't have to even worry about anything. This game is happening in his land over there, the New York Football Jets. And the Atlanta Falcons, as we sit right now, Atlanta Falcons, three-point favorites. A total of 46 is pretty prevalent. There is a 46-and-a-half out there as well in this one. Guys, the Jets go out, get their first win of the season. They are they faced a depleted Titans team, specifically at the wide receiving core, and was able to take advantage of that, and they go out and get their first win of the season, the Falcons, look, they have been, they looked at least a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball this past week in a loss. They did put up 30 points against the Washington football team, but the Washington football team does pull that one out. Steven, we'll start with you because somehow you have found a way to bet on every single game this week. Um, <laughs> we're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, you have a bet on this one. <laughs> I do over at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium across the pond there. And I have a Jets plus three and a half for this one. And my logic is pretty simple. I'm not sure the Atlanta Falcons should be three and a half point favorites against anybody other than maybe the Davis Mills Texans on a neutral field. This offense for Atlanta, 31st in DVOA, 26th in EPA. But you might say, Stephen, they scored 30 points last week. Well, they were still 5.3 yards per play, which would rank 21st on the season. And then on the flip side, the Atlanta defense is 29th in DVOA. They're 28th in EPA. I just see this game very similarly to the way we saw the Jets game last week facing a vulnerable defense in the Tennessee Titans. The Jets offense, their season numbers are are bad, but that's skewed by the first three defenses that they played this season against the Titans defense. 5.9 yards per play, so slightly above average. Zach Wilson, 8.7 yards per attempt. The Falcons' defense is worse than the Titans' defense. So give me the points. Give me the Jets plus three and a half in this one. Brad, I didn't get the best of the number here, but I actually did play in this one, and I played the over, uh, over 45. There was a 44 and a half available that didn't last very long. Uh, might even have been a better number than that, but I, I got in on the 45 on the over. I think this is a situation where, and I think this played out last week. We saw this with Zach Wilson. When he's going to be under a lot of pressure, he's just not going to be very good. He's a rookie quarterback, and he's going to make a lot of rookie quarterback mistakes, and he's going to do a lot lot of rookie quarterback things. But when he's given time, and he actually has time to sit in the pocket and and throw a little bit, by the way, he gets uh, Elijah Moore back off of the concussion protocol list this week as well. So one more weapon there for him. 
Uh, when he's not under duress the whole time, I actually think this Jets offense is semi capable of putting up points as long as he's not running for his life. And one thing we know is the Atlanta defense isn't going to put any pressure on him at all. They're 30th in pressure rate so far, and there's no hope in sight for this team to be any good on that aspect of the ball. So no side here for me, but I did play an over total here because I also think on the Falcons side of things that uh, they'll be able to do just enough against this Jets defense as well. Uh, They did put up 30 last week against Washington. Washington's defense has has proven to not be as good as we thought, but uh, uh, it's definitely better than the Jets. Yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the overlook as well. Um, you know, I, I agree with you about Wilson. You know, give him time, and he's he's um, he's a volatile quarterback, isn't he? He reminds me a bit of a maybe a more talented Drew Lock, mm. where he's going to take those deep shots, and some weeks he's going to hit none of them um, and score eight points or seven points, and uh, so, some weeks he's going to put up twenty seven mm. on you. Um, and obviously, the Falcons without their best corner this week, uh, Isaiah Wilson, I think went on IR. Um, don't get any pressure anyway. Um, as you said, Matt, Elijah Moore back, Jameson Crowder came back last week and, and, and played well. So, um, yeah, I just think all the ingredients are there for some points as well. Oh, and actually, the last thing I will mention, the um, the Jets defense played 100 snaps last week against Derrick Henry in that overtime win. So um, I'm not sure a, a transatlantic <laughs> flight straight after that is, is going to be ideal preparation. Yeah, definitely. I think that there are going to be some points in this one. So uh, we'll look at that. Steven uh, is taking the points with the Jets. I'm taking the over in the Jets Falcons. It's happening over in Brad's backyard. I mean, literally, it's right outside. He can just open his window and see. He can watch it from the he can watch it from his balcony. He doesn't even have to leave. Let's talk the Patriots and the Texans here, boys. This one is sitting at eight and a half right now. Uh, there is a nine. There is a nine and a half. So this has been uh, this has been one of those opinion games amongst the books over here on the legal side of things. And I think that a lot of that has to do with how, just how much they are waiting that the Patriots might be without two starting offensive linemen who got added to the COVID list yesterday afternoon. So on Wednesday afternoon, two starting offensive linemen get added to the COVID list. It is unknown right now whether they're vaccinated or not. So we don't know if there's a chance at all, whether they get to play in this game. The uncertainty maybe has moved this line from uh, nine and a half down to nine, down to down to eight and a half again at DraftKings at FanDuel. Um, at eight, 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 there is a nine and a half still sitting there at MGM, a total. Yes. 39 and a half. We have an under 40 total in this day and age in the NFL, which is absolutely nuts as well. Uh, Brad, none of us have bets on this one, but I'll start with you. Uh, listen, we can give advice on just about everything here. I thought this was kind of the slam dunk survivor play of the week. If you were in a survivor pool, the Texans are really just devoid of all talent. Davis Mills is the lowest graded quarterback of any quarterback in the NFL that's played at least 50% of his team snaps. And it's by a long shot as well. He has just been that bad. But with this offensive line situation and with the Patriots not really being that dynamic of an offense as it is anyway, that kind of gives me at least a little bit of pause if I was in one of these uh, survivor pools and only had one entry left. Uh, But that's about the only thing that I was kind of looking at from this game. What about you? 
Well, it's um, it's not just the the two offensive linemen on the COVID list, which is the le- left tackle and the left guard, but also right tackle Trent Brown. He's he's missed the last few games. He didn't practice yesterday, and the right guard Shaq Mason also didn't practice. So, four, you could they could potentially be without four of the five offensive linemen. Um, uh, so I, I think you've got to be very very careful with just taking the Patriots blindly and anything like this. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've I've stayed away from the game entirely. You, you'd also be wary of a a Patriots flat spot after that huge game last week um, and then you know facing these these lowly Texans but do you want to put your money on Davis Mills uh, not for me so let's stay away that is the exact same thing for me uh, Stephen it's like all right, I understand that the Patriots could be injured here, but I'm also not really in the business of backing Davis Mills people are going to point to this and they're going to say It's nine points in a 40 total game. It's an auto bet. No matter what you play it because it's a nine, it's nine points in a 40 total game. If you want to do that, good for you. Not my style. Um, What did you see in this one? If anything, you know, when I was doing my prep for this game, I was a 100% in lockstep with you guys that I just want to stay away completely from this game. I, echo the concerns on the offensive line but now that it's moved down below nine i'm debating taking the patriots in a teaser leg here at minus that'd be the only way to play it for sure yeah i mean the total's 39 and a half the texans have an implied team total of less than 16 right now so the patriots in a very low total game at less than a field goal in a teaser leg is attractive to me that is the one angle I, i would mention Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, fellas. This is our largest spread of the week. Buccaneers are 10-point favorites. There is a 10.5 out there as well. We are looking at 48, 48.5 on the total. We know that this is a game in which the Bucs are likely to be without the majority of their secondary, it looks like, as of right now. Now, we're course recording this on thursday things could change by the time things kick off on sunday but it does look like the bucks are gonna be super beat up in that secondary the dolphins really and truly just uh leave a ton to be desired thought that they had a chance to be live last week and just really and truly showed up completely flat they put they ended up having to put will fuller on ir as well he is out with a finger injury so as soon as they get him back he is back on ir and not going to be able to contribute for this squad. That being said, Stephen, it did not stop you from throwing something in the account. What you got in this one? I like the over 48 in this game along the lines of what you were saying, the issues with the defenses, not just with Miami, but also the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay 21st and success rate on defense, 19th and DVOA. They're 28th in pressure rate, despite being the most blitz heavy team in the NFL. So they're not getting there and then leaving their depleted back end on islands a lot of the time. So the DB injuries currently on the injury report, Carlton Davis with a quad, the corner, another corner, Jamel Dean with a knee, Antoine Winfield's in the concussion protocol. Add that to another corner, Sean Murphy bunting on IR. So they could be down to their their fourth and fifth corners here. Richard Sherman just came in off the street and looked as such on Sunday night football, gave up a ton of receptions. The Miami defense 20th in, in EPA against the Bucks offense that's top 10. So combine all those things with the pace statistics here, Tampa Bay and Miami, both top three in overall pace, both top 10 and situation neutral pace. 
And then the likely game scenario, right? We expect the Bucs to be leading for most of this game. Miami top 10 in pace when trailing. Tampa Bay still top five in pace when leading by less than a touchdown and top five in pace when leading by more than a touchdown. They don't slow down when they get the lead. So all of those things kind of combine for me for a potential over 48 here. Just crossing my fingers that Jacoby Brissett can just get us 20 points somehow. Brad, let's rain on his parade here. Um, well, I'm at, least, I'm at least going to. Anyway, I mean, Jacoby Brissett and this Miami offense has looked completely inept and not been able to string together any sort. I do understand that there's going to be a beat up uh, secondary here from the Bucks, But I mean, the Dolphins have the third lowest drop back success rate in the NFL. They are dead last in yards per pass attempt at 5.3 yards per attempt. I mean, it has been, I thought that there wasn't going to be that big of a drop off from Tua to Brissett. I'll admit when I'm wrong, I was wrong. This was, this was just, uh, it, it definitely was a downgrade. He has not done anything in this offense. He's played dink and dunk ball. He hasn't really taken advantage of any of these guys that, you know, again, like a Will Fuller who can get the ball down the field and stuff. And Honestly, this team just seems like a team without an identity. I don't know what they really want to do, who they really want to be. And with that, I understand it's a beat up Bucks team, but I don't think they're going to be able to score a lot in this one. So uh, I, I actually I don't if anything, I'd be looking at an under here. Yeah, it's, it, this is very tough because you, you, I agree with you and Brissette. Last two weeks, I've been I've been against the Dolphins, won one, lost one, but banging the drum that this offensive line and Brissette holding the ball is a horrible combination. Especially now they're losing weapons as well, like Will Fuller. They they traded Jakeem Grant in the week, didn't they? Um, I think that's a horrible combination. Yeah, yep. But I also believe that um, quarterback and safety injuries are like one of one of the last inefficiencies left. I think you just blindly bet against those teams who have those injuries, and I think you'd probably make money. Um, so it's a bit of a um, <laughs> um, immovable force or the other way around, whatever. It's, it's two crap things meeting mm. each other, and I don't know what to do with it. So I'll, I'll stay away personally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is a decent chance. And, and look, there there were some limited practices on Wednesday, so we'll see how this all plays out throughout the course of the week. There is a chance that all five starters in the secondary would be out for this game um, for for the Bucks, and so that is obviously never a good situation. Cluster injury situations are never good at all. So, Stephen, on the over here in this one. Philadelphia Eagles head and take on the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. 45-45-and-a-half is your total in this one. Uh, no surprise, Stephen has a bet, but we're going we're gonna <laughs> to go ahead and go to Brad first on this one. Uh, Brad got an Eagles team here that if you kind of look at the advanced stats aren't as bad, I think as maybe the optics appear so far, maybe there's a little bit of promise here. Maybe there's a little bit of something that they can figure out and get right. Um, worth noting that Christian McCaffrey did return to practice. Now, whether he plays this week or not is, uh, is still still to be determined, but he did at least return to practice as far as the running backs don't matter committee out there. I think that at least with I think everyone can at least come to the agreement that that Christian McCaffrey does matter for this offense. And so uh, maybe a chance that he plays this week for this Panthers team who did get humbled last week, but we kind of thought that was going to happen anyway against a very, very good Cowboys team. Yeah, as you say, the Eagles have got some very interesting metrics. So 
One of my favorite offensive stats, um, early down success rate, stripping out garbage time. First and second in the NFL this year so far is uh, Kansas City and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, number four is the Arizona Cardinals. So, uh, you know, it passes the smell test. These are the best offenses in the league. Number three is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and, and Hertz, he's, he's 12th in PFF grade among quarterbacks. So... I feel like, you know, it's a decent offense. Maybe, you know, they've been bad in the red zone so far. They were bad in the red zone last week. That's the reason they lost the Niners game. They were bad in the red zone. But uh, I don't think that should be the case with a, with a mobile quarterback going forward. So I think we can assume a little bit of positive regression there, um, especially against a, a Panthers D defense we still think is probably overrated. Um, I mean, they, they, they probably tell you they're a bit worried about their secondary with, you know, trading for Gilmore, trading for um, Henderson last week as well. So, so those guys aren't, probably going to be up to speed yet well I mean Gilmore's not playing but Henderson's not up to speed yet so I think they can, they can be had in the secondary as well uh, and then defensively I think you could probably argue that the Eagles defense is underrated just because of the schedule they've faced again last two weeks it's been Mahomes and Dak Prescott right and obviously they've been carved up but you know Sam Darnold is, is not those two those, those are the two best offenses in the league and I think I think betting a team that's just faced those two, again, it is probably a positive EV proposition here. So, um, yeah, I, I, I lean Eagles plus three and a half. Haven't played it yet because they they're so banged up. Again, they could be without four of their five offensive linemen that they came into the year with. It's, it's only the centre left, um, which, you know, Carolina's going to throw some funky blitzes. So um, I haven't bet it yet. If, if we do get positive reports on, on that O-line and whether, we, you know, if we can get three of them in there or something, then uh, I, w- I would probably step in and bet the Eagles. Steven would take a look at this one. And I mean, listen, this is a Panthers unit that is second highest in the league in blitz rate. You were talking just a second ago about the highest rate. They this this Panthers team, second highest blitz rate in the league. Hurts 27 of 47 against the Blitz for only 57% completed passes so far. So if the Panthers continue on defense doing what they have been doing, then we do look at a team here that we then there's a chance here that Jalen Hurts might struggle a little bit. And Sam Darnold has actually been really, you know, pretty good so far. Shockingly, when you get out of a horrible situation that you're actually, you know, maybe can find some of that talent that people saw when you came out of college. He's gone for over 300 yards in three straight games. Um, and if anything could help, you know, a guy that's 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 done this with a, what we think to probably be a sharp coaching staff and all that, the Eagles have given up nearly a 73 percent completion percentage through four weeks as well. So I do wonder if this Panthers offense is is actually legit, is actually for real. And look, if McCaffrey does happen to get his way back out there, then I definitely think the Panthers can score some points in this thing. For sure. I, I think. I'm pretty bullish on both of these offenses. Brad mentioned the metrics for the Eagles and they check out. They they look solid. And in terms of DVOA in this matchup, it would at least initially appear that the Panthers defense has an advantage on the Eagles offense. 16th in DVOA for the Eagles offense, the Panthers top five. But I would remind everybody that the Panthers defensive statistics to this point were largely built on facing Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston and Davis Mills. They played the Cowboys last week and allowed 7.7 yards per play. So I am optimistic that the Eagles offensive 
offensive line does come back a little healthier this week. Lane Johnson was back in the building after dealing with a personal matter the past week. Jordan Mailata did return to practice at least on a limited basis with that knee injury. The other tackle position on Wednesday. And then rookie guard Landon Dickerson actually showed immense improvement in terms of his PFF run block grade last week. And obviously, Jason Kelsey is right now still one of, if not the best centers in the NFL. So I'm optimistic there. The There's two factors here that, that are leading me to betting Eagles plus three and a half this week. It's those mm-hmm. statistics that we've all mentioned and talked about. The other side is just the number. This number doesn't make any sense to me. The market is giving us a number that, in my opinion, just can't be correct. Both of these teams played at Dallas over the past two weeks. The Eagles were three and a half point underdogs. The Panthers were four and a half point underdogs last week. And now the line for this game in Carolina is more than a field goal. That can't be the correct line. So even if you give two points for home field advantage for Carolina, it still doesn't add up. And in my opinion, giving more than a point for home field would be wrong this season. If We have more than a month of sample size now. Road teams are 33 and 31 straight up this year. The road underdog is 25 and 15 against the spread. That's more than 62% success rate. So I would argue there's actually not very much home field advantage at this point this year. So I'm not sure why the Eagles are more than a field goal in this game. And I'm happy to take the plus three and a half. Yeah, the one thing I was looking at in this game is is Jalen Hurts' rushing ability here. Uh, his prop is set at 46 and a half. If you have a team in the Panthers that blitzes as much as they blitz, and so whenever you blitz, obviously that means you're bringing extra defenders. There are fewer guys that are you know going to be on the other side defending. Well, Stephen, if they don't get home, a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts has the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that nobody's home out there. And and we know that Jalen Hurts is not afraid to to pull the ball down and take off running, right? I mean, he's used his legs very effectively so far throughout the first four games of the season. And so I I you know, a super blitz heavy teams like this against these running quarterbacks, I always tend to lean towards the over when it comes to rushing yards and especially a guy like Jalen Hurts who has pretty much made this a part of his game now has pretty much made this a thing where he is not afraid to go ahead and take off and start running so another look for me would be the over on the rushing yards there for uh for Jalen Hurts but speaking of rushing quarterbacks this has nothing to do with anything just more of a fun fact for this game uh Sam Darnold's five rushing touchdowns which by the way he has five rushing (laughs) touchdowns already this season through four games it's the most for a quarterback since 1962 so just as we all thought uh Sam Darnold has has the rushing prowess that has set the record books ablaze here through first four weeks uh first quarterback with five rushing touchdowns through four games since 1962 I know you had that future there Stephen clearly Joe Brady has seen what the Baltimore Ravens offense can do with Lamar Jackson and said, Sam, we need you to do that. We need more of that. Absolutely. So uh, rushing look for me on Jalen Hurts and an Eagles look for Steven on this one. 
Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. We are looking at a four-point spread. There's a four-and-a-half available as well. 48-and-a-half is your total on this one. The Tennessee Titans played last week without A.J. Brown, without Julio Jones. Both of those wide receivers equaled a loss to the Jets for this Tennessee Titans team. Was not able to get it done, even feeding Derrick Henry 33 times. In that game, Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, dealing with all kinds of things going on on top of being winless. Uh, their coach is out getting lap dances from college girls and things and all this stuff and and uh, having to deal with that and apologize to the team. And, you know, having has an owner who said he's got to get his, you know, the, the trust and respect of the team back and everything. So, yeah, d- definitely a dumpster fire going on there in Jacksonville. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you because shocker, you, uh, you have a bet in on this one. So, uh, what are you have going on here and what do you see in the Titans and Jags game? This is a betting podcast, right? Like that, that's what we're doing, right? (laughs) I mean, it is. I just didn't know if you knew that like you don't have to bet on every single game. I didn't know if you knew that that there was, there's a rule that you don't have to put in a bet on every single game. Yeah, but that. (laughs) Yeah, I have, I have Titans minus four here. I mean, this is this is a buy low spot for me. I don't have much. Honestly, this is this is mostly narrative street. You touched on the Urban Meyer nonsense. But I mean, on top of that, the Jags had a, a mini bye week here, which is supposed to be an advantage. They completely wasted the extra prep time on that. Urban Meyer doesn't fly home with the team. The team doesn't do any prep. He spends the weekend in Ohio and then reportedly spent all day Monday in crisis management mode after that, canceling the team meetings that pissed off the players. If you haven't seen Michael Silver's thread, by the way, on what the Jags are thinking about how he he handled all this, it's it's hilarious. So so go check that out. But I mean, so the, the mini buy has been wasted. They didn't take advantage of the extra prep time there. So to me. This line is three points cheaper than it was before the Titans lost to the Jets. I'm happy to take the buy low spot here on the Titans and the dumpster fire that is Jacksonville this week. As long as we get one of Julio Jones or A.J. Brown back this week. And on Wednesday, Julio was still did not practice. A.J. Brown was a limited participant. The Titans offense hasn't been great, but the Jags D has been worse. So, you know what? I don't really have much else other than that. The Jags are a a friggin' mess, more so than I've maybe seen in my entire life watching the NFL through four weeks of of a season. So just give me the Titans minus four and we get to root against Urban Meyer's dumbass. 
Yeah, Stephen, if we're, I mean, uh, Brad, if we're looking at this one, I mean, the the problem here really is you just don't, you, you don't, if you look at what Trevor Lawrence did on Thursday Night Football, um, you know, there were there were signs, there were glimpses, there was like a, a bit of hope. He didn't play terrible. It looked like they maybe figured something out on offense as well, where he was, you know, running these RPOs and using his athleticism and stuff. And I don't know, it, there's something about that game that gives me just a little bit of pause as far as betting against them at such a short, I, to me, I don't know. It, there's, there's something sitting here in my craw. It, what talk me off of this? Tell, is this definitely a game I should be betting against the, the Jaguars? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think Lawrence is figuring it out, right? Well, it, we, I think, I think we've forgotten that this was like the once in a generation consensus first overall pick. And you know, the, the next Andrew Luck, or whatever, because he, he was bad, but, um, that Thursday night game, they had a 55% success rate. I think they, they, they were better than the Bengals in, in most of those advanced metrics. Um, you know, it was the, the read options and RPO stuff. Um, and I, I think he's figuring it out. I think he's starting to work out what throws he can get away with. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't want to bet against him here. Um, you know, I did hear multiple former players this week say that you know they'd never seen a coach not get on the plane home and that they would have like, they personally would have stopped listening and yeah. they would you know w- they wouldn't want to play for him but does that mean the Jags are going to quit I, I, I don't think so I think you know it's, it's week five they're, they're, every every player is graded every, everyone is watching all the tape you can't just go out there and pack it in because Urban Meyer got a lap dance so yeah, I don't know. Maybe the over is my favourite look. I've not bet anything just because I do think Trevor Lawrence can can have some have some fun here um, against you know no pass rush and no real secondary to speak of, and uh, who's stopping Derek Henry on the other side? So uh, maybe over forty eight and a half is the look for me. Yeah, I'm gonna hold out. Listen, it's a it's a Jags or nothing for me in this one. Um, the only thing I would say is if one of those two wide receivers does actually get ruled in for the Titans. You might you're probably going to get a better number than the four that's out there right now. I think the public's going to react to that a pretty decent amount. That's why I bet and, it now, by the way, because I thought it yeah. would go a- higher a- than this. AJ Brown practiced yesterday, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, uh, he did. I, I would guess he would go, and Hudo won't based on practice yesterday. And so, well, if if that announcement comes through official, then um, you know I, I think I might look to play a Jags if this thing maybe runs. If this thing happens to hit a six, I would probably play the Jags then at that point. But until then, it'll be a pass for me. Talk about a game we cannot wait to t- uh, to get into the account here. How about the Broncos and the Steelers with maybe two backup quarterbacks going in this thing? Uh, the the Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, is in the concussion protocol. Um, and now we find out that Big Ben Roethlisberger is dealing with a hip injury. Um, he it did not practice on Wednesday as well. So as we sit, a one point to one and a half point favorite are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Over the Broncos with a total of 39 and a half. Yes, we have two different games this week with sub 40 point totals. Um, Brad, listen, no play for me in this one. I don't have any interest in this one. If I bet it, that means I would have to watch it and I would have to be watching maybe Drew Locke versus Mason Rudolph play (laughs) football against each other. And that's just not how I want to spend three hours of my life. So complete and total pass for me on this game. Yep, strong agree. I, I, no, nothing, nothing here from me at all. 
Stephen, I know you, th- I, I, somehow you decided to dodge this game this week. I imagine <laughs> it has to do with the Steve, uh, with Steve the uncertainty three, on both three um, runs in this one. Yeah, Stephen's like, I got four bets in this thing. No, I, I imagine a lot, a lot of this has to do with the the uncertainty as well on uh, at the quarterback position. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the only, listen, the all I will say, if there is one thing I was going to bet in this game, it's if Teddy Bridgewater clears the concussion protocol and we find out that he is going to play and we can tease up this Broncos plus one and a half to plus seven and a half, I'd yeah. be all over that. And we have a total of like the Patriots Texans game. We have a total here of 39 and a half. So that is some valuable six points to buy. If we get Teddy Bridgewater cleared from the concussion protocol. Lions at the Vikings, a very interesting game here. Steven has a play. I have a play in this one. We are looking currently as as the Vikings have now. Oh, wow. This thing has run all the way to nine and a half at DraftKings now. You can find a nine out there if you want to do this. This thing was at seven 48 hours ago. It is sitting at nine and a half now in favor of the Vikings. 49 and a half is the total here. Well, my play's irrelevant because I have the Vikings in several teaser legs here. So um, I can't give you accurate analysis on this because uh, I took the Vikings from seven and a half down to one and a half against the the Lions here. So uh, I can't help. One thing I can say, um, offensive linemen, uh, the probably probably one of the better offensive linemen. Not only not, I mean, not just for the Lions, but in the league. Uh, Ragnow did get uh, he's out on IR now for the Lions, and so he's going to be out in this thing. Looks like Dalvin Cook is back, is uh, you know as full strength as a running back can be. At this point in the season, he's going to be a go for the Vikings as well. Uh, Steven, where, where are you at on this one? Because, again, my my play is no longer valid here. Brad and I had an, a fun little debate between the Bears and the Lions last week, and he got me. He got the the the, the Bears came out and, and handled business with, with Justin Fields and Matt Nagy's job maybe on the line. I am still cons- I, like I'm the Lions apologist on this podcast, guys. I'm sorry. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm still considering with this rid- this ridiculous amount of points that it's moved to maybe take the Lions the plus nine and a half here, plus ten if we get it would definitely be a bet for me. This line is telling us that the Minnesota Vikings are basically on par with three of the other Lions opponents that they've had this year. They were nine point dogs to the Niners at home. They were 11 and a half point dogs to the Packers on the road. They were seven and a half point dogs at home to the Ravens. I'm not putting the Vikings at that level with those three other teams. I'm not doing it. So from a numbers standpoint, I think this has gotten a little out of control. And I think we do have a little bit of value on the Lions here. And going back to that game against Chicago last week, You know, for me, it's still process over results. Yes, they lost by 10 points. But if you look at what happened, their first three drives of the game, a miscommunication on a snap on first and goal that bounced off of the quarterback over the offensive line and into the defender's hands on first and goal. So that's at least three points wasted. Next drive, an odd decision for me for Dan, the man Campbell to go for it on fourth and goal from the five yard line and failed. Next drive, third and goal from the three, and they fumble. In the fourth quarter, they also had a failed fourth and goal from the Chicago eight-yard line. So conservatively, that's 12 points that they left off the board in a 10-point loss. So just overall, to me, this, this Lions team is not the Houston Texans. They, they're sloppy as hell. I would admit that. They are sloppy as hell. 
I'm hoping they clean that up, but they can still move the ball. And from an advanced metric standpoint, the Lions are 15th in success rate. Minnesota's offense is 26th. The O-line is better, but they are banged up, I admit that. So I am watching this injury report very closely as well. Peeney Sewell also had an injury concern. If he doesn't play, I'm completely off this bet because then their O-line is decimated. But overall, the O-line has been better. 12th in pressure allowed versus 26th for the Vikings in early down success. The Lions have been 7th in early down success. Brad, you mentioned how that's a sticky stat with elite offenses when we talked about the Eagles game. The Vikings are 27th. In early down success. So, and the last point I'll make, the Detroit offense has actually been better than the Vikings in explosive plays as well. So, I think it's a mistake for this to get as high as it's gotten. I'm going to be watching that injury report very closely, but plus nine and a half and definitely plus 10 would be a bet for me at this point with the Lions. I'm hoping they clean it up. Steven, uh, this thing again has run now, I mean, a full a full two, two and a half points uh, in favor of the Vikings at home against this Lions team, a total of 49 and a half, I guess for me is, you know, the weakness, I guess, if you want to start pointing at weaknesses for Minnesota, it would certainly be that this offensive line, you know, their pass block win rate is, is sitting at 28th in the league so far through the short season, 26th in pressure allowed. But do the Lions have the tools to really take advantage of that? Because one sure. thing we know about Kirk Cousins is that we are that that the guy sitting in the pocket, if he doesn't have to run for his life, he's actually a pretty good quarterback. It's the, it's just when he gets pressure that he really starts to fall apart. PFF has him graded as an eighth graded quarterback through four weeks of the season so far, as far as passer rating goes on their end on their metrics. So. Um, what do you see in this one, if anything, Lions and Vikings, uh, nine and a half and a 49 and a half total? Yeah, so just to that last point on Cousins, right? It, uh, the the scouts, the the analysts on on Kirk, like he, he wants, you know, he's a bit OCD basically, and, and he wants to he wants the play to be perfect for him to start cutting it loose, right? Um, like if, if the pocket's muddy and, and the read isn't perfect, then Kirk doesn't throw it, he turtles up, you know, he, he's not a good player. But if if there's no pressure and the play unfolds like it should do, Kirk can be elite, right? Um, as you know, w- without pressure, he's he's one of the very best in the NFL. Um, and the Lions are dead last in pass rush win rate. It's, it's kind of a similar handicap to what we had last week with the Bears, right? They they just got mauled by the Browns. Well, last week, the Vikings got mauled by the Browns. Then they go and face the Lions and suddenly the pass rush disappears and everyone looks so much better because there's, there's no one in your face. So... Yeah, I, I, I just I was I just see Kirk with a lot of time to find those two elite receivers essentially. Um, now my first look was to the over, and because of that, but then this injury report came out. Um, yes, yeah, it looks it's, it's possibly no Penesul on on left tackle. Now they're already down Taylor Decker, Taylor Decker left tackle, so they could be down to their third string left tackle. The center's out. Um, and then TJ Hawkinson, the tight ends out. So suddenly this offensive line, which I think is basically the only reason the Lions are any good, like, because you've got a bad quarterback, you have no receivers, but at least you can, you've got a run game and you've got some time in the pocket. Well, suddenly that's, that's disappearing here. And then you've got Goff with a bad O-line and bad receivers against a, probably, you know, a smart defensive coordinator. And I could see that getting really ugly personally. So, um, yeah, I, I, I personally think Vikings minus nine and a half is worth a small bet. 
Yeah, I mean, well, uh, of also of note, Romeo Aquara, uh, defensive lineman, also uh, he ruptured his Achilles. He's out for the season for the Lions as well. He was actually the graded as the sixth best edge rusher through the first three weeks of the season before going down in week four. So uh, Detroit really, really banged up in this thing, and uh, certainly going to have to uh, certainly going to have to dig deep on that depth chart to not on, on both both lines, we should say. And I, I just one. want to clarify so that everybody, mm-hmm. all of our listeners are on the same page here. If TJ Hawkinson, their star tight end and their number one target and Peeney Sewell, their star tackle are out and not playing in this game. I'm not betting on the Lions to cover the spread. Just so everybody understands that we're all on the same page on that. Those are two huge pieces. So this so is not a bet not that I would make right yet. now. No, I would not bet this yet. But I think the number's gotten out of control and it's because of the injuries. But if those two are in... On Sunday, and it's still nine and a half, ten points, that's when I would do it. But I, I'm not betting this right now. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll, this was not in the account yet. This is just something you're interested <laughs> in. Okay. All right. We just want, I, well, I did just want to be transparent here with people if they're definitely, if they're, if they're wondering. Green Bay Packers at the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a game that I don't have a bet on. I don't think any of us have actual bets on, but this is a game I am very, very interested in watching. Uh, Brad, if we take a look at this Cincinnati Bengals team and you really start to break things down, there are a lot of things that point towards that maybe this isn't smoke and mirrors with this team so far, that maybe they started to figure some things out just a little bit with this team. I mean, we are talking, and yes, it is only a four-week sample, but we are talking the, uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about a defense here that is fifth-rated in the in the league in DVOA. Pro Football Focus has them at sixth, so we have agreements from these advanced analytics sites. They are uh, pass defense that is a top 10-ish, you know, 11 DVOA, seven, according to Pro Football Focus. If you look at the rush defense, both top seven units, so far, they're inside the top five in yards per play allowed, yards per pass allowed, early down success rate. They're in the top three. I mean, there are a lot of things here that says maybe this Cincinnati team, which they did go out and invest a lot of money in free agency. They've invested a lot of draft capital as well to make sure that they can shore up that side of the ball is actually for real. And then look, it looks like Joe Burrows just kind of picked up where he left off last year before that catastrophic injury. And he is one of the better graded quarterbacks in all of the NFL number six overall through four weeks. Do you believe in the Cincinnati Bengals uh, catching three points at home against the Packers? I believe in the offense. I do not Mm -hmm. believe in the defense. Um, you know, it's better than it was last year, but they've had a very, very easy schedule to date, like top five easiest in the league. Um, so I can see Aaron Rodgers having his way here. Um, but the Bengals' offense, I think, is very much for real. Um, the part, the pass blocking is just much better than it was last year. Um, you know, they're top fourteen by uh, pass block win rate, um, which is just a massive step up. And Joey, Joey Burrow, I think is. You know, he's getting back to sort of full health, full trust in that knee. 
Um, I think he was talking before that Thursday night game that you know he felt a bit like his old self, and then obviously they they were forced to air it out uh, in that game. So I wouldn't be surprised if they came out here and again just started passing a lot more than they have so far this season. If you remember last year, they were sort of 65, 70% pass rate um, in neutral situations and that they've gone the opposite direction so far, probably to protect that knee. Um, but I expect them to start airing it out here. Um, and they do get T Higgins back or should get mm-hmm. T Higgins back. Now this Packers defense is a mess. Um, so they could be about, well, they will be without Zadaria Smith. They will be without Jair Alexander. They could be without Preston Smith as well. Um, you know, they're, they're signing Jalen Smith off the street to play linebacker, who, like, you know, is just dumped by the Cowboys because yeah. he can't play linebacker. So <laughs> we've spoken about the, the, the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, like last week, the week before. He's not very good either. There's, there's, there's just no talent on this defense whatsoever. So I'm looking at this Bengals team total at 23 and a half, minus 120 at the minute. And I think that's three points short, to be honest. Yeah, I, I definitely like that look. I mean, listen, Joe Mixon likely to miss this game, but as you mentioned, where they they their their bread is buttered. Yeah, I was gonna say their bread is buttered through the air anyway, right? And so if they don't have Joe Mixon to rely on, then they have to be just a little bit more pass heavy as it is anyway, and then that's good for a team total like you're talking about as well. Um, T Higgins does look like he's going to get back out there in all of this, and so Joe Burrow should have a a uh, his full slate of weapons there. Steven, um, I, it's hard for me to to disagree really with the line. I think the Beagle's probably about a field goal uh, underdog here in this one. 51 is the total about right in this one too. Um, I wasn't even really thinking about the team total, but I definitely like Brad's look. I agree. The, the, the one thing that stood out to me the most about this matchup is that both of these defenses are outside the top 20 in pressure rate and pass rush win rate. And they're facing very good quarterbacks, if not an elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. So the the best angles to me in this game, I don't have a bet, but if I were, the, the angles I would take would be the over or one of the two team total overs in this game. I think those add up quite nicely with a lack of pressure and a ton of weapons and a great quarterback for both offenses. And just a, just a side note, just an aside here, like we we have gotten spoiled because we got Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow last year. And then we fast forward to this year and they just picked right up where they left off from last year. And I think that we get a little bit skewed sometimes. You know, we're prisoner of the moment. Sometimes we don't really look back as far as we should. These rookie quarterbacks struggling this year in the NFL. That's how it's supposed to be. Like rookie right. quarterbacks typically struggle, right? Like there's typically just not good from the beginning. Like this whole thing that we saw with Burrow and Herbert last year and for them to be able to just continue that in a right into season two here for them is just not something we see very often. And so I think that we maybe have a little bit of an inflated view of rookie quarterbacks because of what we saw with Burrow and Herbert last year. And that's a little preview of maybe something we will talk about later on here when we talk about one another, one of these other games. Let's talk the New Orleans Saints and the Washington football team. The New Orleans Saints are on the road as two, two and a half point favorites in this one. Actually, there's a one and a half at BetMGM. There's a two at DraftKings, a two and a half at FanDuel. So pick your poison, however you want to go about that. 44, 44 and a half is available on the total. 
Uh, Steven, let's uh, let's kick things off with you. Uh, Saints are on the road at the Washington football team. I like Washington here as a teaser leg. Anywhere between seven and a half and eight and a half is is probably what you're going to get, depending on what time and day you listen to the pod or watch us on YouTube. But buying the points here on an underdog with a low total of 44 and a half, always a good practice. Mo Nawara, our senior writer, also pinpointed this as one of his favorite teaser legs. You can find that teaser leg article at thelines.com. You can just search teaser legs to find it. The angle for me here is very similar to last week when we faded the Saints offense against the Giants. We're simply betting on, to me, the better offense for the style of football played in the 102nd season of the National Football League. The Washington offense is 13th in DVOA. The Saints offense is 18th. The Washington offense is 18th in EPA. The Saints are 19th. Ninth in yards per play for Washington. The Saints are 28th. Ninth in explosive plays for Washington. The Saints are 29th. So give me the extra points here in a teaser leg and a low total. On top of that, the Saints offensive line is dealing with injuries to their center, Eric McCoy. Their tackle, Teron Armstead, both didn't practice Wednesday. Neither played last week. So monitor their status. But this to me sets up quite nicely for a teaser leg. Brad, how do you see this one? Yeah, the the injury report is, I think, the key here. Um, you mentioned the two key missing offensive linemen for the Saints, and it does seem to be having an effect on you know some of their pressure stats allowed, some of the adjusted line yards that they're they're having. You know, it's been a top five offensive line for years, and um, it doesn't look like that at the minute. And then on the Washington side of the ball, um, you know, key players missing from practice yesterday. Antonio Gibson didn't play. Curtis Samuel wasn't there. Uh, guard Brandon Scherf wasn't there. Um, so to me, I think possibly my favorite look, there's 44 and a halfs out there. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of Heineke. I, I think he's getting worse and worse each week as the league gets more tape on him. Um, you know, everyone still still remembers when he burst onto the scene in that Bucks game in the playoffs last year. But I think this the performance is steadily getting worse and worse, and he's now a 25th graded quarterback by PFF. Um, and I, I think the the Saints have very much the the horses on defense to slow him down, especially with this you know a banged up offensive line and banged up weapons there. Um, and then the Saints are just still running the ball and playing as slowly as possible and not even running the ball that effectively because of the banged up offensive line. So um, I thought under four, 44 and a half was a, a nice look. Yeah, if you take a look at Heineke, as you mentioned, only above Zach Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin Fields, Ben Roethlisberger, Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills as far as uh, where he kind of stacks up right now. So he he is certainly regressing. And as you mentioned, Brad, I think this is just a guy that wasn't supposed to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, as it was anyway, who gets thrown into a, a position where he has to be a starter in the NFL. And finally, they, they, you know, they figure him out, right? I mean, his, yeah, he's got a little bit of athleticism, but so do a lot of quarterbacks. And I think that, you know, eventually at some point you have to have the skill to go along with it. So, yeah, just not... Not for me on this one. It's a it's a complete pass. I don't like the teaser leg here on the Washington side either. I think there's a weird I think there's a weird world where the Saints defense does just enough to make it to where they don't score very much at all. And then the Saints could win like a we a very weird, you know, 20 to 20 to seven game or something, you know, like some kind of weird, stupid game like that. So, um, yeah, I don't um, I, I don't dig that one going to be a pass for me. 
Bears at the Raiders. Um, Raiders, five, five and a half point favorites. Bears, 44, 44 and a half is your total in this one. Your starter for the Chicago Bears is Justin Fields. Hey. By the way, by the way, despite Dude. the fact that just two days ago they said that was not going to be the case, but yes, it is. Justin Fields is your starter for the Chicago Bears moving forward. If you are a Bears fan and you want something to feel good about, with Bill Lazor as the play caller in week four, the Bears really did ramp up their play action usage. They went, they were 10% higher than they were on the season before that. They had, of course, way more designed runs because that's what Justin Fields is, is better at. And the percentage of plays that he lined up under center was up 47% from the previous weeks. And so it just gives his team a little bit more options, a little bit more uh, looks to give at these uh, defenses with a rookie quarterback again. Like, you know, you want to try to give this guy as many chances to succeed as humanly possible. So mix up the looks that you're giving these defenses. Don't make it easy on them. Fields also averaged uh, 13.7 air yards per attempt in week four, which actually led the NFL. So he wasn't afraid to let it let it fly either when he was actually given the opportunity in this one. Brad, um, Bears and Raiders, you know, the Raiders coming off of what was a really weird game where it got there was a lightning delay and they came out just flat as hell. I mean, they looked a lot of that had to do with the, the, the Chargers as well. But boy, we the one thing about the Raiders, I mean, they've at least looked competent, you know, in, in even dating back to last year, even in games where they were getting beat that first half, they just looked incompetent, came out flat as anything, just never had a chance to really catch up here. They find themselves as five and a half point favorites here over the Chicago Bears. Yeah, this is a, another tricky one. Seems to be theme of the week. Um, so on on the Bears, um, obviously we bet them last week and we won it. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I think we got lucky. To be honest, I, I know Stephen was watching closely as well. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the Bears lost the success rate battle in that game by about five percent to the Lions, um, and you know, and the Lions just threw it away in the red zone. Um, and just watching Fields, he he holds the ball too long, too often, and he so he's got this long loopy action. Um, and he, he just looks like a, a fumble waiting to happen to me. Um, so, yeah, they won, and obviously, you know, they've been upgraded, and the offense was better than uh, it was the week before, but I still don't think it's very good, um, especially this offensive line is is, is still bad. It's, it's a bit of a dolphin scenario where, um, you know, you've got a quarterback who holds on to the ball too long and an offensive line who, who can't protect. Um, and we know the Raiders can get pressure now, you know, sort of 12th in, in pass rush win rate. They, they have beaten up bad offensive lines this year. Um, now the question is there the Raiders could be missing two corners um, and again as I said earlier I, I don't want to be back in a team missing cornerbacks um, I think that's how you lose money um, other side of the ball the Raiders sneaky bad offensive stats um, like 24th in early down success rate non-garbage time um, they have a bad offensive line as well but um, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks did not practice yesterday so you know, those are huge injuries. If they yeah. don't go, um, then I I can see the Raiders kind of doing what they want, really, because the Bears' secondary is garbage anyway. So, it's you know, sometimes it's protected by by those monsters up front. But if they're out, then um, I think I think Chaos and, uh, you know, I would lay five and a half. So uh, they're, they're key injuries to monitor, I think. Yeah, uh, Stephen, you and I did a you and I did a video where we were looking at potential survivor plays on the week. And we were saying, you know, if you 
if you have cojones, right, if you if you <laughs> want to step out and and really try and save some of these other teams for later on in the year, uh, the Raiders at least are a team that would be an option that you could go about playing here. Of course, in Survivor, you don't have to cover five and a half. You can just win by one and you move on. I think if I had multiple entries this week, I would probably be playing one of those on the Raiders. Again, I just don't trust rookie quarterbacks on the road very often. And again, I think that the Raiders are a better team than what they showed last week. One of the things that the defense is actually good at, and that's actually getting pressure on the quarterback. They've been really good at that so far. And they've been really good at getting that with their front four, right? I mean, they're, eighth in the league in pass rush win rate, despite the fact that they're 31st in blitz rate, right? They never have to send extra people and the guys in the front four are getting it done. So now not only is Fields going to have to feel pressure, but he's still going to have to throw into a full and into a full coverage unit, right? They're not sending extra guys. And so um, I think that could spell disaster here for him as well. As bad as the Raiders looked last week, I think that would be my lean in this one. I've said it multiple times this season. Like that is the cheat code. That is the Konami code for NFL defenses in the year 2021, being able to get pressure without blitzing. That's what gives you a chance in this modern age of elite offenses in the NFL. And uh, I love that about this matchup. Our senior writer, Mo Nawara pinpointed the Raiders pass rush against this bears offensive line as one of his top five mismatches for week number five. So I, I agree with you on that. I'm just, just conceptually, right? We mm-hmm. all were impressed with the Raiders going into that Chargers game and they didn't play well against the Chargers lost by 14 points. I'm not sure we should severely downgrade them after losing on the road to a very good Chargers team. So now they're playing the complete opposite end of the power ranking spectrum, right? In the Chicago Bears. So to me, I just, I can't wrap my head around whether five, five and a half points is too much on this line to back the Raiders. So it's a pass for me, but I'm not downgrading the Raiders all that much after that loss last week. I still think the arrow is pointing up and a lot of that is their their pressure on the defensive side of the ball. And the last note I'll say, Brad mentioned the, the issues potentially in the secondary with the injuries. If Damon Arnett doesn't play, who he didn't practice the cornerback, he has a groin injury, he didn't practice on Wednesday. Amik Robinson is a guy who would come in for them. Gave up a touchdown on Monday Night Football last week on limited snaps last year, allowed a perfect passer rating to a opposing quarterbacks and receivers. So they are extremely thin at quarterback. Don't have much there if they're down some corners. Cleveland Browns and the Los Angeles Chargers. This normally in any given week would probably be the premier game of the week. Not so this one. We'll talk about that one just a little bit later. But the Browns and the Chargers, the Browns, on the road at the Chargers as what we are looking at now is two point to two and a half point hmm. underdogs. Uh, 46 and a half or 47 is the total in this game. Um, Steven, I look at this and I'll tell everybody I've got to bet on this. I have the Browns in a teaser leg. I took it up to eight um, for the Browns here. I also am probably going to end up playing the Browns just on the money line here. I, I think that there's a little bit of the sexiness of what the chargers bring and the boringness of what the Browns bring yeah. playing into this line here and not really accurately uh, showing what, what the Browns have done. I mean, this is a thing 
with this Browns team. They are, they've actually been really good on the offensive side of the ball. It's just they just run a different type of offense, right? They run slow. They're kind of run heavy first. But, you know, they're 12th in yards per play. They're ninth in early down success rate. They're 10th in early down EPA. The overall offense is graded fourth overall by Pro Football Focus, ninth overall by DVOA. And then you look at what this defense did, and even in a game where Baker Mayfield played his worst game in recent memory, they were still able to go and get a win last week just based off of this defense. And it is an elite defense in every single level, every single aspect of all of this. So listen, I love the Chargers. I love Justin Herbert. I think the Chargers are a playoff team. I just think that the Browns are actually elite. And so long as we don't get another stinker, which I can't imagine we're going to get yet another one a second time in a row from Baker Mayfield, I think the wrong team's favored in this game. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. I can't I can't argue that point. I can't argue that opinion. Th- this Browns defense is top five in 15 different advanced statistics that I was looking at this week. I mean, that's how good they've been. They've been the best defense in the NFL. For me personally, I just, full disclosure, the, the one place where I struggle in handicapping throughout an NFL season is when you have a case like the Cleveland Browns and they're facing another good team where you have such a good defense, but you have a little bit of a quarterback concern on the other side and you have a team that's going to play at a very slow pace. So that to me is a struggle for me in handicapping games in this particular situation. And and on the other side, they're playing a Chargers defense that has held all four of their opponents to their lowest point total of the year so far. So they're not bad either. And the Browns have a quarterback situation. With, uh, Baker Mayfield really disappointed me last week. I don't know about you guys, but I thought against a beatable Minnesota secondary with an offensive line, I thought that could handle the pass rush for the Vikings. He really disappointed me. So I can't argue your points that the, the wrong team might be favored in this game. But I also think it's much closer to a coin flip games. And I don't have a strong opinion on this. I have a hard time diagnosing teams like the Cleveland Browns in this day and age in the NFL where offense is king. So I'm going to stay away and observe and and sit back and just hope for the best for my Cleveland Browns futures tickets. But Brad, the only other thing that was interesting to me is a total of 47. I mean, we have a very slow paced playing team in the Browns um, that really wants to play deliberate, really wants to run the ball. And also, if we believe in this Browns defense, then we think that they should be able to limit the output of the Chargers as well. Um, so anyway, Browns, two-point dogs, Chargers, two-point favorites, a total of 47. What say you? Um, so I would say the thing I'm most confident about in this game is the Chargers' defense holding down the uh, holding down the Browns. So the Chargers have faced the hardest schedule of opposing offenses in the NFL. You know, they, they face Mahomes, um, Lamar Jackson, the Cowboys, um, just, you know, good team, the Raiders, good teams across the board. And uh, as you said, they, they've held them all to their lowest uh, total of the season, 18.5 points a game against like an elite schedule. Um, you know, we talked about the Eagles earlier um, and how they're probably better than they look because they've been shredded by the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Well, the Chargers have kept them both to like 20 points or so. Or, or you know, the Chiefs scored a, bit, a few more than that. But um, so, yeah, I, I'm very confident that's an elite defense. Um, I'm also confident that Baker is in trouble. So while we're recording this, there's a report come out that he's playing with a um, torn labrum or partially torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. 
Um, and his performances fall off a cliff. Um, you know, against the Bears, I think that's when he probably got that injury. Uh, he took five sacks, had a 43 QBR last week against the Vikings. We, I mean, we all saw him miss that wide open at Odell Beckham Jr. Um, that would be touchdown. Yeah. He went 15-33, 4.7 yards per attempt, QBR of 15.6. Um, and I guess, you know, maybe it makes sense if you've got a, a torn over in your, in your other shoulder, you're not going to be feeling too good. But... I think going up against the Brandon Staley defense, um, you know, that, that's not going to go well for you. I, I will say the Browns should be able to run the ball, but I will also say that they hit, that means they probably won't be able to pass the ball. Um, and again, that's, that's not really a recipe for scoring a load of points in, in today's NFL. Um, as for the other, other side of the ball, I'm not sure the Chargers' uh, right tackle, Storm Morton again, um, I'm not sure he's going to hold up well, who, whoever the Browns send against him, whether that's Clowney or... Um, or, or Miles Garrett. So I think if you say the, the 47's back, which uh, must be about, um, yeah, I think under 47 is, is probably quite a strong look because uh, this could be this could be a bit of a slog. Yeah, I'm actually going to go make that bet the second we get off of the, uh, of the podcast. So there, so there we have it. New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, seven-point home favorites over the New York football Giants. A 52, 52 and a half is your total. In this one, um, listen, we knew what we were getting in the Dallas Cowboys. We were going to get an elite offense. What we did not know is that we were going to get a capable defense. And that has been the real change for me personally in my outlook for this Dallas Cowboys team is they only need to be league average in defense with an offense like they have. And they are going to be in every single game that they play. And that's the thing is, is I thought we, I think a lot of us thought they were going to be a bottom five defense, maybe bottom, maybe bottom three type defense. And instead here we go halfway, you know, quarter pole of the season here, we find them in the kind of upper third, as far as defenses go in the NFL. Now there's still a ways to go, but like I said, they don't have to, as long as they're not bottom feeders with what they are able to produce on offense, they're just going to be in every single game that they play. And then I think that the, the other surprise in this game is just uh, how good that the giants offense has been. Daniel Jones has actually been one of the better quarterbacks in all the NFL you would think I was lying to you if I told you he was the number two graded quarterback in all the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, through four weeks. But I'm not lying. He actually is. And he's been pretty good so far as well. Of note, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton were, ba- were, were still out and not practicing on Wednesday. So that's something that we will monitor as well. I think he will need every single weapon at his disposal at all to keep this thing uh, close. I have the Cowboys in a teaser leg. I took this seven down to one. I feel very, very confident in a Cowboys win here. I don't know about a seven point win. Brad, uh, when you look at these, when you look at this game, how do you think this one, do you see a track meet or do you think that the Giants offense comes back down to earth? Uh, definitely lean more the track meet way. It's, it's, it's a tricky one because I would say generally you want to be on the road underdog in divisional games and NFC games, you know, especially these two. I, I think long term you, you make money being on that side of it. But I, I'm not sure this this is the week. Um, I mean, we, we spoke about the Cowboys last week. N- nothing's changed. Elite offense. Defense, defense playing high variance football, which you like to see as well. Like it's a bit like the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. Like they, they want to take the ball away, um, so they're going to send blitzes and, and jump routes and stuff. And if, if you get them for a touchdown, fine, we get the ball back anyway. So have it, or, or you know, we get the turnover. So that lends itself to a to a track meet to high scoring. Um, but 
I'm, I'm worried about this Giants offense again. Um, not, not just those two receivers that were out last week, but now um, Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, um, he's been he's been weirdly good. He was awful last year. He's rated top ten by PFF so far this year. He mispracticed yesterday, um, and if he's out, suddenly it does it starts to look quite thin. I think um, if you're getting bad protection, you're missing your two of your best receivers, um, and you've got to try and score thirty five to just to stay in the game. Um, then then I'm starting to look at look at this Cowboys minus seven. So yeah, again, like a lot of games, injury report is going to be key to monitor. Steven, um, looking here, you have something in the account. Uh, you going Giants or are you going Cowboys? Yeah, I'm with you. This is one of the first bets I made earlier this week. It was the Cowboys as a part of a teaser leg. So I'm, I'm with you on that. And as far as the spread, it would be Dallas or pass for me. I think it's this is another line that really doesn't make sense to me this week. And I guess part of it is recency bias in terms of the market, but we got Giants plus eight in New Orleans last week against a very flawed offense. And now we're getting Giants plus seven against the Cowboys offense. Like I said last week, there were live dogs. They won outright. A lot of that was based on playing a, a team that had less than 300 passing yards combined in their two wins. The Cowboys offense is not that, all right? This is not the Saints offense. This is the number one offense in terms of PFF grade, number three in DVOA, number four in EPA, and they're balanced too. They're top five in drop pack EPA and rush EPA. Their offensive line is amazing. They're top five in pressure allowed and run block win rate. Like, woo, woo buddy, this is not the Saints offense that the Giants is facing yeah. this week, and you're getting a worse line than what we got last week. So to me, this was an easy call to tease the Cowboys down and I think anything less than seven and a half is is a mistake on this line San Francisco 49ers Arizona Cardinals we're gonna have a fight on the show here on this one uh Steven and I on opposite sides I am on the Cardinals he is on the 49ers we are looking at five five and a half right now in favor of the Cardinals 49 and a half or 50 as the total. Brad, we'll start with you here. We have a Arizona Cardinals team that has found itself as the last undefeated team left in the league. Do you think it's for real? Do you think they are for real? Uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Cardinals fan. Um, you know, yeah, Kyler Murray's probably one of the very best players in the league. Uh, it doesn't matter who's coaching him. He just does crazy stuff every week he looks like he's made out of different material than the rest of the players on the field um, <laughs> but the number here has gone it's, it's probably gone too far isn't it based on the numbers we've seen to date um, you know the, Preach, the closing Brad, lines and stuff Preach. yeah this it's, it's gone a bit too far for me now I'm not involved because I kind of think Trey Lance looked like garbage last week as well um, you know he hasn't played football since he was 19 <laughs> Um, he was he was statuesque in the pocket. He, he wasn't on his toes. He was just kind of stood there. He, you know, the stat line looked okay because he got a seventy-five yard touchdown to Debo Samuel, but he yeah. just literally just left wide open. You know, I, I could have made that throw. So, yeah, you know, the, Shanahan comes out and says, "Oh, he's going to be better with um, you know when the game plan is is for him." 
but I don't know. We, we, we've seen rookie quarterbacks really struggle this year, so I don't necessarily want to step in front of this Cardinals. It's, it's, you know, especially San Francisco still don't have any quarterbacks, and if anyone could escape Joey Bosa and, and just chuck up some Hail Marys while the, while the corners get beat deep, it is Kyler Murray. So yeah, again, a, a, lot, a lot of things going on, and I wasn't sure what to do with any of it. So you guys convinced me. All right. Well, Stephen, I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the floor. You are going to back the San Francisco 49ers here. I assume you backed them at the five and a half, not the current five that we are seeing right now. Correct. And I also find it. Uh, is it coincidence or fate that Matt's dog is barking in the background as I take the, the mantle here for the underdog in this game? All right, because let's just strip the team names here and look at this situation conceptually. Okay. One team in this game lost by seven points at home last week, but they had 6.3 yards per attempt. They held a quality opponent to 4.3 yards per attempt. That was an opponent that was first in the league in yards per attempt coming into the week. So what happened? How'd they lose by seven at home? They fumbled a kick return inside their 20 yard line. This week, they get a new quarterback. The old quarterback last year was first in expected completion percentage, but 38th in completion percentage over expectation. And again, this year, to start the year, that quarterback was again having a completion percentage below his expected completion percentage. The new quarterback is mobile. So we have a coach that is scheming up perfect situations to get a high completion percentage and the old quarterback hasn't been able to do it. So insert a new mobile young quarterback. Now let's look at the line. The preseason line here was the road team minus one. The look ahead line was the road team plus one and a half. And now we're at a line where the road team is plus five and a half. We are four points more than the look ahead line. We are almost a touchdown more than the preseason line. Irrelevant. And Irrelevant. I understand that Trey Lance hasn't played a lot of football. I get that, Matt. I do. But almost universally, we would conclude that the line movement in this situation is to some extent an overreaction. And I am going to have to have faith that Trey Lance isn't just completely unprepared and not ready for the situation. And I am backing Kyle Shanahan to put this team in the proper situation. And I say all this having ranked the Arizona Cardinals number two in my power rankings this week. So I love them long term, but I think this number has gone too far. Okay, well, I mean, let, let's let's start off first and foremost here with the look ahead line and the summer line and the whatever that all irrelevant doesn't make a hill of beans <laughs> what those all are. It doesn't matter in the least bit because that was uh, taking into account that it was going to be a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo and all these other things. So like the whatever the look ahead line was and what the line was this summer and whatever line, you know, that your grandmother put on this and all the, all these <laughs> don't matter. So like everyone wants to point to all these lines that don't matter. They're irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So the situation has completely changed in the fact that it's going to be a rookie quarterback making his first start in the NFL on the road at what I might add is one of the better pass rushes in all of the NFL through the first quarter of the season. Whenever you look at the advanced metrics of this Arizona defense, they are their pass rush win rate is in the upper half 
of the league. If you look at what the uh, if you look at what the pass rush is graded, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, way way up there. Again, another advanced metric that they're they're watching every single play of the league. If you also look at what is uh, at, at what this Arizona secondary is going, what this San Francisco secondary is going to have to deal with. The one thing is they're so incredibly multiple, and there's so many different options here. It is a completely decimated secondary for the Niners as it is anyway. And now you have to be able to guard not only Kyler Murray and not only the backs coming out of the backfield. But he has been able to figure out ways to get every single one of these wide receivers involved, except for DeAndre Hopkins, who's the best one of all of them. He's the only one, he's the only guy that hasn't had a big game so far because these teams have been giving him so much coverage and so much attention. And instead, he's the one that isn't getting it done so far. So again, this is just by scheme by these defenses and, and Kyler Murray evolving as a quarterback, proving that he doesn't have to lock on to one target and just throw to that guy. He's a guy that is actually maturing as a quarterback in this league. If you look at this Cardinals offense, they put up 400 yards from scrimmage in every game so far. They're averaging 2.7 more yards per pass play than their opponents are on the season. Kyler leads the league in completions of 20 or more yards down the field, and this is going to continue to roll here. And oh, by the way, let me circle back to the first thing that I just said, which is it is a rookie quarterback making his first start in the NFL on the road against J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones and everything else that this Cardinals defense is all about. And if Trey Lance was good enough to start, he would have been starting already. He's not good enough. He's not ready. He's going to make some splash plays and everyone's going to say, oh, wow, look at the potential of this guy. Well, potential doesn't cash tickets. That's not how it goes. He's going to make some stupid rookie mistakes. He's going to he's going to he's going to be made to look like a rookie in this game. Cardinals win this game. I might play the alt line on this thing. I think the Cardinals win this game by touchdown plus. Brad, what's the verdict? <laughs> what's the verdict? Um, oh, I uh, I would probably. I said what I was thinking is that I would, if I was back in the Niners, maybe the first half, um, when Shani's cooking up his some 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 plays in his yeah, script. Um, you know, if if they've got trick plays and stuff, yeah, you know, the Shani Shani script is generally good. So Niners plus a half first quarter, Niners plus three first half might be worth a look. Or you know, I I can also see Cardinals minus. 13 and a half because uh, if they do get behind and he has to start if he has to start throwing then it could get messy second half so maybe you uh, you know you go for the, the tail ends of the risk curve here yeah, I mean, it could be a good in-game. It certainly could be a good in-game spot, right? If you get in yeah. there and you see right off the bat that Lance is just overmatched and then then this would be a good spot probably to get in uh, in-game as well. Premier game of the week here, the Bills and the Chiefs. We are looking at a three-point spread in favor of the Chiefs. 56 and a half is your total. Guys, I mean, we've got some really good games this week. We've got uh, some, some games that we consider in any other week to be the premier game. We are getting the number one and number two power rank team according to what we have going on over at the lines. Uh, Bills, number one in a lot of people's rankings. Chiefs, number one in a lot of people's rankings. None of the teams below number four in any power ranking that you're going to see. And we're getting them this early in the season. Now, this line has moved from two and a half yesterday to the Chiefs at three now. So the Chiefs have taken some money 
across the board. It's it's three at DraftKings, MGM, FanDuel. There is a there is a two and a half left at points bet if you are looking to take the Chiefs. Fifty six and a half is the total here. Um, Brad, you do have a bet in on this one, so let's start with you. Are you back in the Bills? Are you back in the Chiefs? I'm back in the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still seeing two and a half minus 115 around. So, that, you know, I would snap that up. Like, you know, as you say, Football Outsiders, DVLA, uh, Bills number one, ESPN's, FPI, Bills number one. Um, I, I just, it's just wrong. I, I really strongly believe that it's wrong because um, it, it's all based on this Bills defence. Like, you know, Football Outsiders in their column this week, oh, it's the best defensive start to a season since the 70s. Right, they've played, they've played the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. They've played the mix of Tua, Jacoby Brissett. They've played Davis Mills. Um, and then they play Taylor Heineke, who we've talked about earlier, is garbage. Like th- this defense is the same defense that we saw last year, where it's you know it's borderline top ten. It's it's a good defense, but it's 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 not better than than that, and it's not going to slow down this this Chiefs offense, which is is um you know it's better than ever. Um, let me just find their stats, but it, it's they're they're going at the same points per drive as like the 07 Patriots at the minute. They've had I think they've had the fewest drives in the NFL, but they're still scoring the most points per drive, most yards per drive. Um, they, it, it's truly elite, and it, it's almost overlooked now, I think, because it's it's Mahomes. So, um, yeah, if we also just think back quickly to this uh, AFC Championship game last year. So there was, I think there was, there was about 10,000 fans in the stadium. Uh, Mahomes had a banged up leg or ankle but he was missing three of his offensive linemen and and the Chiefs went off minus three and a half and they beat the brakes off the Bills um, so w- w- why are we going through the three um, with you know with a, with a healthier Mahomes and a healthier offensive line and we could also say that the Bills offense is is way worse than it was last year like Josh Allen is is in the bottom half of the league in PFF grading the Bills um, they're 23rd in early down success rate non uh, non garbage time so you know I, I just I just think this line is completely wrong and I, I cannot believe we're being given the Chiefs minus two and a half at home Stephen if we take a look at this I mean there is this there is yes the Chiefs defense is is nothing to write home about however we've been giving a pass to some of these other teams that we we talk about the Chiefs have started out Browns Ravens Chargers and then we said this Eagles team is kind of sneaky good even though, you know, it doesn't really bear fruit from what you really see on the outside. But if you look at the advanced metrics, this Eagles offense is actually much better than we think as well. So it's not like they have just been handed an easy early portion of the schedule either, right? And then you look at, at, at you know, again, Browns playoff team, Ravens playoff team, Chargers we think is probably going to be a playoff team. So, yes, the defense has been bad, but it's been against some pretty good teams as well. On top of that, the Bills offense in terms of the advanced metrics has been middle of the road. It hasn't been outstanding in the game where they were outstanding. They played the Houston Texans, so they played the Miami Dolphins in a blowout. But if you look at the numbers, it was not really it was kind of fluky. It was some special team stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you guys on this one. Like I we do a power rankings exercise each week, Matt. But we look at it differently than we do when we're handicapping an individual game. And everything Brad said is absolutely true. I 
I was surprised to see it under a field goal. And the I will drive home the point he said that I think matters most. All of the love that Buffalo is getting from the defensive side doesn't mean squat to me at this point, to be honest with you, considering that the quarterbacks they played. So prove it to me against Patrick Mahomes. If you do, I tip my hat to you. But this line should not be under three. I agree. Listen, the the Chiefs, yes, the they're going to give up some points. There's no doubt about it. This is this Bills offense is, is still pretty good. It's not like this is going to be a, any sort of blowout or whatever. But the problem is, is you just can't stop the Chiefs from scoring. They just they get the ball and they score and they get the ball and they score and they get the They've ball. They've only and they stopped score. themselves, right? It's been turnovers. Yes, that's it. It's been turnovers and that's it. It really has. It is it is the only time they get the ball and don't score is because they give the ball back to the other team or some sort of fumble, some sort of whatever. So like, you know, they can avoid that. Then they win this game in my opinion i think they win this game fairly handily um so i i am i took uh i also as well too took the two and a half here on the chiefs and i feel comfortable having that in the account i am perfect i have the chiefs personally power rated number one to me i still think that they are the number one team in football and uh that's gonna i, I think that that's going to play out this week in this one give me the chiefs at two and a half as well me and brad will be rooting for the same thing And finally, Monday night football, the Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Ravens, this thing sitting six and a half or seven right now in favor of the Ravens. The uh, 45, 45 and a half is your total. The Colts do go get a win, but they don't impress me in the least bit. Didn't show me anything at all. I don't see any reason to uh, feel feel good about this Colts team after what you saw last week. This Ravens team getting a little bit healthier. They got the guys back off the COVID list. Lamar Jackson throws for 300 yards for the first time in a, in a hot minute. And then maybe they're going to have uh, their first round pick in Rashad Bateman out on the field this week as well. So if anything, things signs kind of pointing up there for the Ravens. Brad, you have another bet in this week and you have a bet on this game. Um, yes, I am a big fan of the Ravens. Um, you know, we, we spoke last week about the defense getting healthy, um, getting people back off the COVID list, getting corners back in there. And, you know, they just suffocated the Broncos entirely, knocked, knocked Bridgewater out of the game. And then obviously Drew Locke did nothing after that. Um, but then on offense as well, I think, I think we're seeing, um, we're seeing Lamar Jackson evolve as a passer, I think. Um, so if we, ju- I've just got some stats here from Ian Hartitz at PFF. So Lamar Jackson, when not pressured, so under a clean pocket, which is the stickiest, he's um, he's twelfth amongst qualified quarterbacks in grade. He's twelfth in big time throw rate. Um, he's twenty second in turnover worthy play, which is what we want, and he's fourth in yards per attempt. Um, so he's. You know, there was a lot of talk when Hollywood Brown dropped three touchdowns, but it kind of went under the radar that Lamar threw three perfect balls for touchdowns to to Hollywood Brown. Um, And he did it last week. Bonco's, you know, the game plan was take the rush away. You know, they they kept him to uh, 96 rushing yards till the, till the end of that game. Uh, and Mirage beaten through the air. Um, and then, you know, if he can do that consistently, especially getting more weapons back, as you say, then um, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very tough to defend them because he, he'll always have that rushing to fall back on. Uh, and if he can take you downfield as well now, then he's, he's just a menace to stop. So, um, yeah, I, I just made the game nine based on my power ratings. Uh, and I, I don't really get why it's... A bit cheap on the uh, on the Raven side, to be honest. Stephen, this was one of the first teaser legs that I put in this week, getting that Ravens team down to one. Um, the lines moved against me. There are six and a halfs available out there. Interestingly enough, the the Colts have 
taking some money. I don't feel bad about it. I thought actually it would go the other way. I, I was wrong. Uh, I'll gladly I'll gladly take the Ravens at one in a teaser leg here. If you look at this Colts team, this on the offensive side of the ball. It has been absolutely atrocious. Carson Wentz has been absolutely atrocious. There's really nothing to look at on the offensive side that makes you feel good about this team in the slightest. And as we mentioned this, if anything, it makes you feel way worse because now you've got a a Baltimore team coming to town going up against Wentz with, you know, maybe ankles at what, 70% now, 80% now, whatever, you know, whatever you want to give him that that blitzes at one of the highest rates in the league. He's going to be having to dodge guys left and right all over the place. And it's not like he has playmakers at the receiver position or guys out of the backfield to really make position uh, uh, plays for him either. So, I just think it's a a really bad matchup here for 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 this team. And I think Wentz is going to be really showing again why he's a bad just why he's a bad quarterback and why he is not a dude that you can rely on here. So give me the Baltimore defense against Wentz all day long. And then, yeah, add in a couple of weapons for Lamar Jackson. And I, I like the Ravens a lot here. We loved Baltimore last week to win in Denver. We thought that was an overreaction for Denver, and I'm with you. I think if I thought that they could win in Denver last week, I think they can win at home against Indy this week. I think it's an easier opponent, frankly. So I'm with you. I This is the first teaser I put in on Tuesday. I did Baltimore down to minus one. I don't care that the line went the other way. I think it's a mistake. I shook my head like Brad did when you mentioned that. So I teased that with the Cowboys. I just need a couple of, of home touchdown favorites to win outright to hit that teaser and this matches well with a low total of 45 to 46 and a half depending on where you look and again just another hat tip to our senior writer Mo Noir for pointing out another mismatch in this one the Ravens are fifth in blitz rate third in QB pressures Wentz 10.3 percent sack rate led the NFL last year Well, you might say he's on a new team this year. Well, the Colts are dead last in PFF block grade through the first month of the season. Their guard, their star guard, Quentin Nelson, is on IR. Their right tackle, Braden Smith, has missed a couple of weeks in a row now. This offense is 30th in red zone offense. Carson Wentz, 23rd in PFF pass grade. It's just not a good offense. It's Carson Wentz still isn't good at football. And on the flip side, the Ravens have significant advantages in the advanced metrics against the Colts defense in a, a couple of spots here. So on top of that, the Colts defense is banged up. Quiddy Pay, their defensive end, their rookie, has a hamstring injury. Their solid cornerback, Rocky Sin, has an ankle injury. Kari Willis, their safety has an ankle and a groin injury. They were all out last week. So just overall, this is a rough matchup for Indy, and I am very happy to tease this down almost to a pick for the Ravens. And, and Brad, one of the things we're going to hear leading into this game is people are going to say like, yeah, but they're but the, but the Colts' run defense is much, much better than their pass defense. And, you know, that's what's, you know, that's the big mismatch so here. Pass whatever. I think it showed last week, I think Lamar showed last week that, listen, if you're, okay, if you want us to pass, yes, we are built around being a power running team but if you want to say okay well don't do that we'll do the other route well I think that they are finding that he is more and more capable of doing that and again might even have an additional weapon back in the fold this week yeah I I, I'm very I'm very surprised to see minus six and a half pop here I I I cannot see the line closing there because I I don't know where the Colts have an advantage on the on the pitch here on the field who's getting open like you know Michael Pittman's their best receiver he's getting like 40% of the air yards or something and 
like he, he's just not good enough for a receiver to match up one on one with Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith. So, well, you're going to try and run the ball, like okay, but you're still worse at running than the Ravens, and you're going to be much worse than passing at the Ravens. So, I don't know. I, I can't see that. I think you should bet the six and a half now because I, I think that's going. Yeah, definitely like the uh, definitely like the six and a half as well. If I find that somewhere here in town, that one's going to enter the account as well, my friends. Uh, guys, listen, we're going to try to keep the uh, the winning ways going here. It was a little bit of a tricky week. Not as many, um, not as many plays for me and Brad. Uh, at least Stephen did bet the board for you, so there is there's that <laughs> you can, that you can uh, that you can go through and get On some bread. get some uh, get some get some insight in some of these games. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun week. And again, a couple of really really marquee matchups where we're going to find out what some of these teams are made of. If this Browns team is truly going to be one of the elite teams in the NFL, we're going to find out what this Chiefs and Bills team are made out of as well. And are the Bengals for real? Or are they all smoke and mirrors? There's some interesting games this week. We will find out all of this stuff. For Brad, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>